Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 24 of the Ballhawks podcast on this very special edition episode on Saturday this week. Uh, my co-host is doing a little family vacationing, so we are coming to you live on Saturday for the first time ever. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Fisher. You can find me on Twitter at SSFisher87. I remembered. I know. I have half a brain today, so... That's working. And I am joined by my co-host, Christopher Mamacoco Phillips. <laughs> I only picked that one because last week you were like, I've seen Coco. And I was like, oh, man, I haven't seen Coco. Now I have to go like watch to figure out who I could call you from Coco. So you're Mamacoco. Have you, have you seen Coco now? No, I just watched a couple highlights and stuff. Oh, it, it looks dude. good, though. I'm probably going to watch it. Really good. Really, yeah. really good. I uh, couldn't re- recommend Coco more, actually. It, it, it's one of the... Uh, is, is that Disney or is it Pixar? I, I don't know. I, I, I can't remember. Funny. I, I, I think it's Pixar. But yeah, yeah. I, I highly, highly recommend um, <laughs> Coco. And actually, uh, just to, to hearken back to uh, one of the sidekicks from a few weeks ago, uh, one Alberto... Um, <laughs> The Phillips family finally watched Luca. Oh, you got to watch it. It's good, hey? Yeah, we watched it last night. And oh my, like, it is so good. Oh, man. When they start shoveling pasta into their face with their bare hands in front of the dad, I just, I die every single time. It was so good. And I I don't know about you, but I know in the Phillips household, uh, mom and dad had a little bit of tears at at the end Mm. of Luca. Yeah. Um, just, just a feel good story. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So it even translates we, into like everyday. Uh, I just got back from Vancouver. As you know, we're doing a little family holiday there. We're just randomly walking downtown streets. And all of a sudden, like my three and a half year old knows the word Vespa. And he's like, <laughs> dad, look, it's a Vespa. And I like look over and I'm like, you know what? That, it's not even a scooter. It's actually a Vespa. Like, how do you oh, wow. know that this is just a Vespa sitting on the side of the street? And they're just losing their minds because they've now seen a Vespa in real life. So now every time a scooter goes by, they're like, Dad, Vespa, Vespa. No, that's yeah. just a scooter. <laughs> yeah. And like, obviously with, um, you know, with Olivia, who's almost seven, um, and just having those, I guess, bigger conversations with her about, like, I guess, the underlying message of Luca and right. things like that. And um, so maybe that's why it, it, it meant a little bit more because she's a, just kind of that more or that much older just to kind of, like, really explain to her, like, this is what the message actually is. And, like, 
you know, make sure that you're a good friend and don't judge people by, um, you know, what you hear and, and things like that. So yeah, I, uh, Philip's family loved Luca. Um, and sorry guys. Uh, yes, I am here as well. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter, uh, at Phillips, Chris 12, Follow the podcast account at ballhawks underscore pod. Thank you, Steve, for remembering your own Twitter account every this week. single time. Yeah, I uh, I appreciate that because I barely remembered my own. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you just briefly mentioned it there. What's going on? How was your weekend in Vancouver? Yeah, it was good. Lots of uh, walking around. Uh, we were just talking off air about going to the Vancouver Zoo. That was pretty cool. Got to see. Uh, you know, the tiger pacing back and forth, the cougar pacing back and forth, obviously the lions, they were just feeding the black bears. So they came charging out of the, the pen. That was kind of fun. Cool. Got to see for the first time, um, what was it? Uh, a black jaguar. So they had two of them there and one was in the tree kind of playing with this toy. And oh my, I've, I didn't realize how big of canine teeth they have and how big their claws actually are. Like those things remind me of a raptor because the claws <laughs> are massive and they like hook around and you can see when they like engage their claws or don't engage their claws, like almost like Black Panther, like the Black Panther suit from, from Marvel. Uh, so that was pretty cool. The kids were in sensory overload trying to, trying to see that stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah. don't, don't worry folks. He's, he's actually talking about a real cougar, not just some like, <laughs> not my 50 wife. Year old, yeah. Not some 50 year old. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the joke in our family, right? My wife's older than me. So, yeah. uh, she's the cougar of the family. Yeah. Alyssa wasn't, uh, you know, stalking Steve. She was through, preying on young men through, early through when we started, yeah. uh, um, endeavors now together. I, I do have a question for you about the Jaguar that you saw. Yeah. How desperate did it look? So desperate. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought when I was like, man, is that a black Panther? And I was like, Jaguar, man, these things are desperate, like super desperate, <laughs> super desperate for attention. That's for sure. So funny. We, uh, I, last week, uh, I was on an episode of the makeshift managers podcast that you know about. Yeah. And, I can't even remember. I can't. I was trying to remember how this came up, but the idea of Jaguars and the Jaguar. Oh, we were talking Chicago Bears and Mitch Trubisky. And obviously, I bring up the fact that, you know, the, the Jags fans are cheering for Mitch Trubisky to throw a touchdown. And that was like his claim to fame, is what I said. And then I was like, man, also, this is what happened for me to dislike the Jaguars so much. And they, they thought it was pretty good. <laughs> I, uh, Tony Khan is uh, always going to hold a little bit of lore on the Ballhawks podcast. <laughs> and uh, obviously any chance we have to discuss how desperate Jaguars are, we're, we're taking that low hanging fruit. Maybe, uh, uh, maybe we should tweet him out right now and say uh, you've come up for a record 10th time on uh, the Ballhawks first 24 episodes. Would you like to come defend yourself or... Yeah. Uh, chat Ep duval county episode 24 we have talked about you 24 times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um okay let's get to some around the nfl news here we have training camps ongoing right now um 
lots of exciting things happening. Lots of scary stuff too. We're going to start with the scary stuff. Um, obviously this one hit a little harder for me in our dynasty league. I have Justin Jefferson and you know, you're seeing the Twitter messages and I was like, Oh no, season ending injury for sure. Like that's what I got from some of these tweets. Uh, it turns out he has a, we're not sure if it's grade one, two, whatever of a sprained AC joint. I think the last I heard he was supposed to be out one to two weeks. Um, so obviously a little better than anticipated, but I, I guess it brings up the conversation around why do these guys go so all out at training camp? You know what I mean? Like I, I'm thinking also to, uh, it was the giants, I guess there was a melee and Daniel Jones ended up at the bottom of the pile and Joe judge brought his team to the side you know, used a lot of what a reporter said, started with F words and then made coaches and players uh, do running drills. I didn't see the coaches part. Yeah, he's actually famous <laughs> for making his coaches also do disciplinary runs and push ups and things like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, why yeah, do these guys go so hard in training camp? Is it just a switch they can't turn off or is it more they have star players doing live reps with like undrafted free agents who are trying to prove every last little bit to get a job. I mean, Joe judge also got aroused by the fact that his players were fighting. So right. he's a little weird, a little bit weird. Ako taco. Um, yeah. Uh, also, sorry, before we get into why do guys go so hard in training camp? No pun um, intended, by the way, who initially said, AC joint, not that bad, one to two weeks. Who said that, Steve? Who texted that to you? Oh, you did. I think this the guy. first one, I heard it from, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember what Twitter account I follow that I saw a bunch of people saying like, oh, no big deal. It's just an AC sprain. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, yes, he's not a professional pitcher. So that's I, a that's a plus. He's not a quarterback. That's a plus. Here's a guy who relies on being physical with his arms to beat press coverage, to do some run blocking, to make catches. He's also going to be falling to the ground with NFL caliber size players on him. When I see people just kind of brushing it off, being like, okay, everyone's saying it's a week to two weeks. I think that's very short sighted. And I think this could be one of those injuries that lingers on longer than what you would hope, you know, going into the season into October, November, maybe January football. I mean, you're not wrong. It can certainly linger, but at the same time, they're going to shoot him up with Tordal and he's going to get out there and he's, he's going to play uh, through whatever little bit of pain that he might have. Um, I sprained and now I'm not, full like let me put this in before I, I i say this i'm not obviously a nfl caliber athlete i'm not justin jefferson i'm not anywhere near that caliber um i sprained my ac joint playing lacrosse a few years ago i think i was in a sling for i want to say maybe a week tops 
and even then the the doctor even said like the sling is more so to remind you don't you don't overuse this mm. shoulder it, it it's not to like because you need the sling it's just a a, a a you know remind your brain like your shoulders hurt don't overuse it sort of thing like take it easy um i think i missed I know for actually, I know for sure I missed one game of lacrosse. So I think I missed one week, and I was back the following week. And and I mean, it it everything felt fine at at that point. So that's kind of when I saw you know AC or when I saw him go down, um, and people were like, "Oh my God, did he break his collarbone? Did he do this? Did he do that?" And I was like, right away, I I, I didn't vocalize this to anybody, but right away I, I saw the injury. I saw him grab his left shoulder. And I said, I was like, ah, you know what? I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be an AC joint thing. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I got lucky, I guess, predicting that I, that that's what it was. Um, but I said to you, I said, depending on severity, because um, that, that's going to be a big factor here, of course, is, is severity. I was like, probably one to two weeks. Um, he probably misses at least one week of practice. Um you know, maybe the two weeks of practice just just to make sure that he's 100 um, percent. But I, I don't think it's going to be anything super serious. Now, if he falls on that left shoulder super hard again, is it I mean, obviously, uh, risk of re-injury, risk of injuring it worse uh, is, is highly possible. Um, as for your initial question, you know, why do these guys go so hard in in, in training camp? Um, I guess I'll go back to the super basic we always hear, I mean, I remember hearing this when I was growing up playing lacrosse with my dad as my coach. I'm sure you've heard this as well. Playing sports is um, practice how you play, um, which, I mean, at this stage in these guys' careers, you're like, what do you mean practice how you play? Like, these guys know how to do it. But I, I think there is still that aspect where, like, they're ramping up to the season. So they do have to get back into that game mode, right? Yeah, I, I, I totally get that in terms of, you know, even I never played high level football or anything like that. But I do think there is something to taking those live hits full on where your body is getting used to how do you get hit? How do you fall? Stuff like that. But the the one video I saw, I don't know if there's more videos, but the one that I saw almost looked like he got crowned a little bit where he <sighs> like, nah, like it looks like a slant pattern. And whoever the DB is kind of like crowns him, but like drives into the ground with it. And you're like, why are you throwing slant patterns over the middle and letting your DBs just blow this guy up? Right. To me, it it, honestly, like it looked like a football, just a football Mm -hmm. drill. Like it didn't look like anything serious. Like, yes, he got hurt, but like, you go back and you watch it and you're like, he caught the pass. He was going down. The DB was going down with him to make the tackle. Like it was just kind of like one of those things that just, it, it, it's football. It happens. Yeah. It's a contact sport. Right. Um, I don't know. Maybe Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins couldn't see well enough from his plexiglass box. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, it kind of also brings up this other thing that there are more games in the season So, you know, protecting your body a little bit earlier doesn't, you know, we've never had to yet. 
But, but I, I, I think that's a conversation that some of these teams are going to have to have going forward. Isn't there also another preseason game? No. So they reduced the preseason. So the preseason went from four games to three right, games. Right. That was the trade-off. And they, yeah. And they extended the regular season. Okay. Now, I, I, I think it's going to be the opposite, though, hmm. is take, again, ramp up, get your body used to back to playing football, getting hit, uh, taking those bumps, making those catches in, in tight coverage, um, getting used to, I mean, you, you haven't been doing this for the last, uh, you know, six to, I guess, eight months, depending on right. kind of when, when your team got eliminated from contention or playoffs or regular season or, or what have you. Um, you haven't played football for six to eight months. Sure. You've gone out and you've done drills and, you've worked out and you know went to play catch with Kirk Cousins or or whatever it may be um but that's basically a glorified combine right like you, yeah, you're you're not right. you're not getting tackled you're not getting hit you're not getting you know you're not you're not playing football and so i, I think you know early in the year like this you have to get your body used to that again and and used to the physicality and late in the year is when you need to start looking after your body. Yeah. And maybe not true. ramping it up so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That could very well be. Um, did you watch the hall of fame game? <laughs> I, I know it was, um, we talked about this. I think it was last week, right? It was a mail day question. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's sort of random, from, but did you watch uh, the it? guys at Brody, Brody sports? Who's yeah. going to be the MVP? Um, I watched, I, I, I did watch a little bit did of you? it. Um, I wanted to see how Najee Harris looked. Um, good yards per that, carry. Hey, yeah, yeah. He looked pretty good. He, uh, <laughs> oh, I was being he was sarcastic. Able... What's that? I was being sarcastic. Didn't... No, he, he looked okay. Did there he? was a couple runs. Um, you know, he wasn't shying away from contact. There was one run where I thought for sure he wasn't going to get the edge. And then he did. Hmm. Um, so he looked okay. Um, other than that, I mean, it was preseason football. It was the hall of fame game, right? Like Roethlisberger wasn't even, or wasn't playing. Uh, Dak Prescott wasn't even there. Zeke was there, but not playing. So like it it was, it was sloppy, right? Like it was, it was clearly the first, first game of the preseason. Yeah. Um, no, I didn't watch any of it. I was just going by what yeah. the box scores showed me like you know i i always want to see the steelers get hammered but a, a part of me loves naji harris so i kind of wanted to see him do better um it looks like his long run was six yards uh seven rushes for 22 yards for a 3.1 yard per carry not not the greatest but again preseason to me is so silly in terms of when you look at that, you're like, okay, who was blocking for him? He didn't have a starting quarterback. So I'm sure they stacked the box against him. Like all of these things, you have guys who are clearly going to be your, your first string guys playing with guys who are not your first string guys. And then they get pulled so quick that they can't even get into the game really. So yeah, yeah, I didn't watch that. Um, The big news, obviously when I was away for the weekend was the Josh Allen contract. Obviously, you had a look at that. Uh, he signs his extension 
Uh, I know Ravens fans were hoping Lamar would sign first and Browns fans were hoping Baker Mayfield would sign first, but Josh Allen got a six-year extension worth $258 million. The big one here is his guaranteed money surpassed every NFL player at $150 million. Uh, annual average of $43 million, second to Mahomes. What did you think of it? Sorry, um, I, I tilted my head a little bit there. What, what was Mahomes' guarantee? His guarantee was a hundred and I think it was a hundred and forty one or a hundred and forty one and a half million. Okay. So, so wow. He, wow. he beats the guaranteed money, not the overall money or the right. annual average. Right. But he also said I mean, Josh Allen is still pretty young, I think. So he oh, yeah. also sets sets himself up for um another big payday yeah he's only geez he's only 25 so he yeah. definitely is gonna he's gonna get another big payday for sure um whereas i mean mahomes with that 10-year contract again he's young so he's gonna get another payday um but it's gonna you know it's gonna take him a little bit longer to get to that next big payday whereas like six years from now josh allen is probably gonna get a bigger uh, is it, probably going to surpass uh mahomes average so I um, think I would have to go back and look at it, but I'm pretty sure the Chiefs structured Mahomes's contract to basically be like a five-year contract. You know, like I I think back to when Joe Flacco was Super Bowl MVP and he signed his huge record beer. I think it was like 120.6 million uh, for what was it five years. But when you looked at the structure of the contract, it was like good for three years. And then the way they structured it basically in that fourth or whatever it was in that next year, they would be doing a restructure or another extension kind of thing. So I think Mahomes will take him to about the same year. The big thing for me with that, obviously, um, you know, second highest paid quarterback. But... I feel like some of these teams, and I think the Ravens included, Browns included, are going to start offering their players more closer to that Kirk Cousins deal where they have a majority of it guaranteed to take a little bit of what we would consider a hometown discount. Like, hey, if you only make, and I'm I'm using this term very liberally, only make (laughs) $40 million a year, uh, we'll guarantee 75% of it for for five years or whatever it is, right? Like giving them more guaranteed money, showing faith in them. Like, hey, we don't know if you're going to make this whole 258, but for sure you just made $150 million by signing this contract. Okay, yeah, sweet. I was going to going to bring that up w- with you as well, because as I, I, I know you and I talked about that Um you know, right after the, the Josh Allen signing and you're kind of like, well, like the big thing with Lamar is going to be guaranteed money 100%. and maybe they can get a cheaper, um, you know, average by guaranteeing more. And that's what I was going to pose to you is, do you think maybe the Ravens go uh, with maybe a shorter term, lower average um, you know, annual average contract, but guarantee the whole thing. 
Yeah, it, it's a really good question because I think um, it's a possibility. The, the huge difference here between Lamar and Josh Allen, obviously Lamar's representing himself. So we, it, I don't know what to think of a big contract of a guy who's representing himself. Like what is most important to him? I think for most big contracts, agents all think the same way where they're like, okay, we want, you know, guaranteed term. We want this like injury clauses, whatever those are. Um, yeah, I, I could definitely see maybe not taking less annual because, I mean, Lamar's got a unanimous MVP just sitting in his pocket being like, oh, okay, if Josh Allen is getting 43, maybe like I maybe I don't need Pat Mahomes' money. He's even said this before, right? When Pat signed his deal, Lamar said, I need to win a Super Bowl so I can go get my half a billion. So these guys aren't stupid. They know, hey, Mahomes won a Super Bowl. You know, he brought his team back to the Super Bowl. Like, he deserved that money. I'm not expecting the the 45 per year. But maybe I'm expecting exactly the 43 that Josh Allen just got. And I want a guaranteed of, like, one, I don't know, whatever that number is, right? Like, 155.5 or so that yeah of course these guys have egos they they think that they're worth that much because in their eyes and in a lot of people's eyes they are worth that much so i don't know if we're necessarily going to see a discount in terms of like is he going to make closer to like what russ makes or is he going to make Dak kind of money i feel like 43 is the benchmark now for what lamar is getting Baker, who knows? I, I don't I, think Baker can go in there and really ask for that. Um, I still think Baker gets over 40. And just for the simple fact that the Browns are so insanely desperate to hold on to a franchise quarterback because it's been such a revolving door of them. Um, and he manages that offense extremely well. So, I, yeah. It's going to be really interesting. My comment on Twitter was, I think this is why if you're the Ravens, you were trying to get this deal done before Josh Allen. Absolutely. And I think if you're Lamar Jackson, I think this is probably what he's been waiting for. Like he's in no rush. Like he's got sponsors. He's got lots of money. It's not like he needs to sign it to get that guaranteed money. Like he's probably already set up for life he was probably waiting for one of the dominoes to fall to be like, okay, that's what I'm going for. That was a like structured contract. Let's go from there. And and you and I have talked about that as well, right? Like with um, Lamar, Josh Allen and Baker is that it, it's going to take one of those guys, whoever signs first, and it's going to be a domino effect. And now yeah. we're, we're going to see the other guys, the other contracts will probably be done. I don't want to say quickly, but you know, maybe quicker than they would have been before because um, you know, Josh at 43 per year. So I'm going to say Lamar is getting 44 probably per year, um, you know, right in between Josh Allen and Mahomes, which I mean, I don't think Josh Allen should be that close to Lamar and Mahomes personally. Um, and then the, the one 
I think that might be a bit of a sticking point is going to be Baker because Baker's, I mean, with Josh Allen signing 43 million uh, average per year, um, I, I imagine Baker's pro- probably going to want something similar, yeah. but he hasn't led his team to an a- a- AFC championship game either. So it's like, do you really like, <laughs> and sorry, do, I, 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 I'm pretty sure the bills have got to that point, but anyways, um, you know, like, do you really, have you earned that same type of money as a guy like Josh Allen, who has been in that MVP conversation, who I, again, I, I think has been in an AFC championship game. I think, I think that, uh, that's who the chiefs beat this past season to get to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, are you in that range or are you, you know, maybe closer to a Dak Prescott where you're at that you know, 40 million per year range, or, you know, maybe between Dak and Josh Allen. I, right. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, and I mean, if you're Baker Mayfield's agent, I think you play the card of like, we're the first franchise quarterback of the Cleveland Browns since or ever. Yeah. Um, we, you know, went in and destroyed Pittsburgh in their home to win our first like, playoff game you know like playing all those positive cards and stuff i always hate the idea that like quarterbacks have win-loss records why does a quarterback have a win-loss record and like a linebacker doesn't it's you know what i mean like it's the ultimate it that's a team thing like i I know the whole thing lamar jackson is 31 and 7 as a starter since coming into the league no, the Baltimore Ravens are 31 and 7 with Lamar as quarterback, but also with like Marlon Humphrey as their main DB. Like it, it's such a team game. But the quarterback, um the the pitcher, the hockey goalie, it's just that's the easy you know Oh, this guy didn't play well. That's why we lost her. Oh man, like this guy stole the game for us. You know what I mean? Like it's just it, it it's those three positions in sports have kind of always been the I guess catalyst for a team. Um, where it's like, Oh my god, like did you see what Lamar Jackson did? Like he totally like he carried his team, he like willed them to victory or oh, crap, like, Russ had a bad game, and so the Seahawks lost because, you know, Russ took, you know, five sacks, and four of those were his fault, or whatever it may be, right? Or, oh, this goalie let in, uh, you know, four goals on uh, five shots, or right? Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like... The team let in four goals. Right, but everyone The offensive line allowed Russ to be sacked. But, uh, I mean... (laughs) Well... It, so, you know that, what I mean? Like, but the, no, absolutely. how many times You're, has Bobby Wagner absolutely taken over a game and he didn't get credited with a win for his team? You're, you're not wrong at all, but it's just it, those, you know, like I said, pitcher, uh, quarterback, goalie have always, I guess, been the guys that are either responsible for the win or at fault for the loss, right? It's just, it, yeah. If uh, you know when my kids get older, and actually you know saying this, Olivia loves playing goalie in soccer, <laughs> and it's just like, please don't, like, please don't be that person. Although 
um, I actually I, I saw a funny quote uh, today from uh, Steph Labay, uh, you know, Canadian old medalist Steph Labay, uh, and of course Canada just won the gold medal at the Olympics in in women's soccer. And she had a smile on her face the entire time during penalty kicks. Everyone's like, look at her. Like, she's got a smile on her face. Like, good for her. Like, look at that swagger. And she goes, no. She's like, I'm a goalie in soccer. Nobody expects me to make a save. Like, (laughs) Just takes that pressure right off herself. Yeah. Love it. I'm just here to enjoy the moment. Like, I'm not expected to make a save. I'm just here. Right. And, and that's exactly right. Like take all, takes all that pressure off. But I like, I would not want to be either one of those uh, three positions in sports. And I don't, don't, don't want my kids to be those positions either. Cause it's just so much added pressure. Right. Right. Uh, before we move on to getting a little recap on our Seahawks and Ravens training camp, uh, You'd like to report a murder I saw on Twitter today. Keenan Allen killed a man. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it. If you did, please call 911. <laughs> Let the authorities in Los Angeles know that Keenan Allen has killed a man. And, and I, he I saw bragged it with my own two it. eyes. Saw it with my own two eyes yeah. and he bragged. He goes, wow, <laughs> look at this. He, he was like, you know that uh, I think it's a, a Simpsons uh, meme where it's like, "Want to see a dead body?" That was Keenan <laughs> Allen. He's like, "Wow, want to see a dead body? I just killed that guy." Yeah. So if you guys haven't seen this, you need to go. Uh, we were we were talking before recording here, and we haven't really talked much Chargers stuff on the podcast really uh, since starting this whole thing, but. Um, I did see Chris's tweet. Uh, he retweeted Mike Wright and Keenan Allen does this kind of like 10 yard gets around the DB does a dig route. And then when the DB bites, he goes straight back out and the DB is not even in the screen anymore, makes the catch toe tap on the sideline. And as he's running back towards the defense, he's just screaming. Wow. Wow. And he's just having the greatest of times. Um, and then I told Chris, I was like, oh, you've clearly seen uh, all the camp battles going on between Derwin James and uh, Keenan Allen. And if you guys haven't seen this, these two are going at it in camp. And oh, it must be so fun being a Chargers fan right now because both guys are winning battles. Both guys are losing battles. Um, but it's kind of like what I was talking to you about when, uh, Rashad Bateman cooks Marlon Humphrey for that, uh, fade route in the end zone, iron sharpens iron. And these two are making each other so much better. And it has got to be just the best being a chargers fan, watching those two guys put on an absolute clinic with each other. What's even more impressive with that is that Derwin's a safety, right? And he's he's like he's, he's known right for being in there. A thumping he's keeping safety. up with, yeah, and like and he's keeping up with Keenan Allen. Like he's breaking up plays. I saw one where he picked off. Uh, I, I assume Herbert. I'm I'm not quite sure who the quarterback was, but I I, I saw one where uh, Derwin intercepted the pass. Like I, I we were talking about this off air, but like 
I love Derwin James, and I can't remember when he was drafted. I want to say it was 2018, 2017, somewhere around there. And I was so, so bad hoping that he was going to end up in Seattle. Yeah. Um, Just because he's, you know, everyone's like, this is the next uh, 2018 draft. Everyone's like, this is the next coming of Cam Chancellor. But, like, I think he's maybe a little bit better, probably off obviously seen in uh training camp his he's coverage maybe skills little, are much better i was gonna say maybe in in man coverage he's a little bit better um i just oh man i hope derwin james can stay healthy because he's right. struggled with that so far in his career um if he can stay healthy like he is going to be just phenomenal one of the best safeties in the league without question if he can stay healthy yeah and keenan allen is maybe one of the top five receivers or maybe even players in the NFL who is so underrated for what he does. This guy is absolutely, he is so fun to watch in his route running. Like when I was a younger football fan, route running didn't really, you know, get me excited watching clips of guys who just like, you know, without even touching the other guy make him trip over his own feet that that didn't really get me that excited i want to see the catch i want to see the touchdown as i as i've watched a lot more football the justin jeffersons the keenan allens obviously the ravens have rashad bateman who's a silky smooth route runner it is so fun to watch them break defenders ankles with put some respect on tyler lockett's name oh (laughs) not even in the same category Anyways, keep going. Yeah, it, it's just so much fun to watch those route runners and and what they can do to defenders, um, just with technique, with you know all that technical aspect of uh, that kind of gets under undershadowed by the fancy catches and the, all the yards and stuff like that, right? Totally, Keenan Allen is. I, I was going to say the same thing. He's got to be one of the most underrated receivers in the entire NFL. Totally. Um, and I'm going to put myself on that list of guys that have underrated Keenan Allen. I mean, a couple of years ago, I had him and Allen Robinson on my fantasy team. And it was like, came down to picking one or the other as, as my keeper, which I mean, you can't really go wrong no. between either one of those guys, but I have regretted not keeping <laughs> Keenan Allen ever since. Right. Like, and no disrespect to Allen Robinson. He's a stud too, but yeah. it's just, they're both uh, super, super good. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I looked it up after the fact to be like, who's this number 43 in the Chargers thinking like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe Darren Sproles coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe Keenan Allen just like burn this undrafted free agent and we're all just like roasting this guy. But no, his name's Michael Davis. I think it's what his name was. And he, he's a five year veteran. So it's not hmm. like he's some like newbie who's never been in the NFL. Like he, he's been around. He, he knows what it's about, knows what it's like to play against NFL caliber athletes and uh yeah he just got absolutely toasted yeah okay let's uh let's move to a little training camp stuff uh we want to give some updates what's been happening with the Seahawks the in the last week here uh nothing crazy I mean Jamal is still not practicing no um uh Dwayne Brown is still not practicing which I, I saw the uh uh, mainstream NFL media finally started uh, decided to report on that 
officially I saw Schefter and actually uh, Marquise from uh, Cover Four with with the guys uh, tweeted the 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 tweet at me being like, Chris, you okay, bud? Like, because Schefter <laughs> uh, tweeted that Dwayne Brown is holding out. He you know he's got one year left on his deal. He wants a new contract, and you know everyone in Seattle's like, duh, like. <laughs> We, we knew saw this, this like, yeah, like we knew this. He hasn't been practicing. He hasn't, you know, he's been at training camp, but not participating just like Jamal Adams. Like we know he wants a new contract. This isn't news in Seattle. So I, I'm not too worried about it. Um, you know, the, the, the brain trust in Seattle is probably more focused on Jamal right now. They'll get to Dwayne, um, you know, after they get Jamal done and then probably after they get Dwayne done, probably get Bobby Wagner done too. Right. Um, who knows? Um, the one thing I saw today, which is, you know, always exciting uh, to see when, when these things happen. Um, but uh, apparently DK Metcalf got into a bit of a physical altercation. Scuffle. At camp. Yeah, got into an altercation at camp today. Uh, I didn't see any video. I just saw uh, Brady Henderson uh, tweet about it earlier. Uh, it was some one-on-one uh, wide receivers versus DBs. Uh, him and Ugo Amadi had a uh, particularly physical rep. And uh, after the rep was over, DK flung the ball at U- Ugo Amadi. Marquise Blair took a, took exception to you know, the fact uh, got in DK's face, I would assume. Metcalf shoved him, uh, you know, pushy match ensued, and, and they had to be separated. So nothing too crazy, but, you know, just guys competing, you know, iron sharpens iron and, and uh, you know, trying to be their best going into the season. Um, other than that, nothing too, yeah, nothing too crazy. I mean, D. Eskridge still isn't practicing. Um, I, I, I think I, I haven't look too much into it i think there has been a bit of an issue as far as the linebackers go for the seahawks i, I saw something today uh nick bellor who is the seahawks technically he's the seahawks fullback but he plays mo- mostly special teams uh was practicing with, with the linebackers today um so i i don't know if there's an issue with injuries or covid or or what's happening there um but yeah, pretty status quo out of Seattle happening yeah, in, I, in Baltimore. I kind of like those. I like those position battles where it usually always happens with like either, you know, D line, O line, receiver, corner, and they just get chippy because it's rep after rep after rep after rep. You're trying to get better. They're trying to get better. You know, you've got two guys who are alphas who want to win that battle. And if it's, you know, I I don't like the idea of chucking a ball at a guy ever. I think that's very like, it seems very childish to me. Um, But if it's just chuck a ball, get in a guy's face, push, 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 you get separated and you're good. That's awesome. Honestly, like I want my guys to care enough about being great that they're taking exception to other guys, you know, taking liberties on them or showing them up or trash talking or whatever that is. Um, Cause you, I mean, I, I don't actually know cause I'm not really into the Seahawks. Um, 
But I'm sure these guys went back into the clubhouse and squashed it. Like, hey, we're good. Yeah, I'm trying to get better. You're trying to get better. Like, let's move on. Like, clearly, because most of them, after they get separated, I uh, I know a lot of coaches will go put those two guys out against each other again. All right, you guys got it out of your system. Great, go again. Go well, again, and, go again. Where a lot of that probably stems from is, you know, one guy was obviously winning the battle more than the yeah. other guy. And you, you could look at it from, you know, either aspect, whether, you know, DK was losing the battle and finally won one. Yeah. Or DK kept winning and Ugo kept losing. And DK kind of was like, you know, come on, man, like pick it up. Like, yeah. let's go. And, and, you know, kind of flung the ball at him. Like who knows? Like th- there wasn't enough context given to say, you know, um, why necessarily that, that, uh, that sparked up. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it's just, it, it's training camp. It happens. It's, it's hot. Guys are going after each other one-on-one day after day after day after day. Right. And eventually someone's going to get fed up, right? Whether it be yeah. because he doesn't feel like the other guys, you know, holding his own or because, uh, you know, he finally won a battle that he hasn't been able to beat this guy all camp. Um, it is kind of funny that it's so Mahdi. Um, there was a video that came out, I think it was a week or two ago, and it was actually uh, DK Metcalf versus Ugo Amadi from like way back in like a high from like a high school camp. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And these guys were battling like back in high school, which is, um, you know, D- DK won that battle back in high school. But it was funny because um, I-, I can't remember which one of the two tweeted it. And it's like, look at us. We were all skin and bones back then. And like and you look at the video and you're like. I guess, yeah, compared to, you know, especially DK Metcalf, what what he is now. Like, yeah, I could see why you'd say he's all skin and bones now. But, like, when I was in high school, <laughs> I didn't look like that either. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, as as far as what's going on in the Ravens training camp, uh, quite a bit of stuff, actually. Uh, unfortunately, there's been a couple injuries, uh, you know, ones that looked really scary but are probably I I say that with like knocking on wood you know probably not going to be as serious as what they looked uh Jimmy Smith went down had to be carted off the field it was one of those non like contact type injuries I think he got like he got rolled up on or he rolled up over top of Mark Andrews trying to make a play uh has a low ankle sprain which is if you know anything about ankle sprains the high ankle sprains are the really bad ones that linger and they kind of go through the whole season so turns out he's only going to be out for probably one to two weeks I would imagine with his injury history they're probably going to be extra cautious with him Um, Hollywood Brown returned to the field he was dealing with a a hamstring injury that we weren't really sure if it was serious or not Uh, so he returned for conditioning not for practice but if he's out there doing some conditioning that's you know, obviously a positive step forward. You know, the big news was obviously Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards coming off the COVID list. They both were out there. Uh, Lamar looked pretty sharp from, uh, you know, I just got back from my trip a, a couple hours ago. So I had a little bit of time to look at, you know, the passes he was throwing. And he looks pretty good. You know, they're just practice passes for right now. Um, 
but he definitely is back, which is always a positive sign for your first team, uh, you know, going forward. Um, and, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm actually just reading a tweet from Sarah Ellison, who we had on the show. She, she kind of summed it up. Nice. It's been a good week to start the weekend in Baltimore and, uh, mentioned Lamar and Gus coming back, Hollywood coming back, Jimmy Smith only going to be one to two weeks. And then Justin Houston put on the purple for the first time he's out there and he looks every bit ready to go and be a difference maker for this team. He also uh, addressed the media and they asked him, you know, Hey, we heard reports of, you almost signed with another AFC North team. Can you tell us anything about that? And he was very candid. He was like, yeah, I was very close to actually signing with the Steelers, believe it or not. And so you're watching that. And part of me was like, oh my goodness, we could have, like he would have been a Steeler. But then I immediately go to like this huge grin on my face and I'm like, ha ha, we just took an impact player away from the Steelers we got an impact player and man, does he look scary? He looks so good. So scary. Um, the one for me that has really stood out though, is all of the reports of first round pick Odafe away, who looks every bit of a top caliber pass rusher. Um, before we jumped on here, Chris, I was chatting with a few people that I follow on Twitter. Um, basically, the tweet was like, hey, where are you guys at now who were calling out away, you know, saying you were concerned about this or that? And I remember when we did our pre-draft stuff, uh, our mock draft, I had them picking away. And uh, I remember saying this guy is an absolute athletic freak and the big narrative of the pre-draft media was away has zero sacks coming out of college this season and all of me was like you idiots like sacks are great that's the goal for a pass rusher is to get a sack that ends the play but if you have a guy who puts pressure on a quarterback to throw the ball away to throw an interception to force an incomplete pass whatever that is to me that is every good as a sack maybe not statistically maybe not in terms of you know you know the ball is going to be placed five or six yards further back uh, but pressures are where it's at for pass rushers for me and he's going up against guys and he is beating them over and over and over. I saw a report that said the offense got so sick of him beating them that they triple teamed him. They triple teamed a rookie to stop blowing up their offense in the backfield because he is so explosive and it is so fun to watch uh, and have a guy that is just so dominant right away. So that's kind of what's been happening uh, in the Ravens training camp. It's exciting. It's still early, but uh, yeah, that's kind of the update. All right, we're uh, 
ready for everyone's favorite segment of the week. We are, this is one of the first weeks in a while that I have no idea what's going on for third down. This is kind of exciting. So what do we, what do you have for us? Even more exciting, Steve. Um, I have no idea what's going on for the third down this week either. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we discussed this a little bit. I worked all day, so I was just like, you know, I, I was trying to, you know, send out the the tweet about getting questions for the mailbag, trying to plug that. You were driving home from Vancouver. I was busy at work, so I was just like, and then all of a sudden it was like eight o'clock at night. I'm putting my daughter to bed, and I go. Oh crap, third down. We don't have like we're not discussing movies or or defenses this week. Like ah, oh, I guess I better figure something out. So I uh I I've got something here. It it's I don't know. It's I I threw it together last minute, but it's pretty fun. It takes us back to our uh I guess kind of original third down uh, you know, uh settings. Why don't you uh, remind everybody about what that is? Yeah, I'm going to give you some head-to-head matchups, and you're going to tell me, uh, you know, your winner in that matchup. At the end, I'm going to recap uh, your winners, ask for your MVP. There we go. And I'm going to tell you that uh, you didn't win. Yet you, <laughs> you didn't get that first down yet again. Uh, fourth and long <laughs> once more. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this week uh, for the third down, I, I went back and forth with a couple different ideas. I knew we were going to talk about training camp. I mean, everyone's excited. Football's back. Uh, it's training camp season. Um, so I have some of the kind of, I guess, um, off-season training camp. Um, call them exciting moments, okay. I guess. I, I I didn't really, like like I said, like I, I threw this together when, when I was putting my daughter to bed, so I... <laughs> You know, wasn't uh, quick enough to come up with a, a, a title for the showdown, but I, I've got a showdown of of things that you know might happen during the preseason or during training camp where you're where you get a little bit excited. And uh, uh, like I said, I have no title for it, but this week that's the third down. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Third down. All right, man. Um, so the first one I have is that, uh, you know, everyone always gets a little bit excited when this happens. You know, we, we see these guys sitting on the sidelines waiting for that opportunity. And it is the uh, free agent vet signing. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we uh, just to use a couple examples, because, you know, these are a couple guys that have been tied to the Seahawks. I mean, hell, the, the Ravens just signed Justin Houston, but uh, Richard Sherman and KJ Wright right. are a couple examples in Seattle land. Um, Justin Houston, of course, is that free agent vet signing that the Ravens just made, um, versus that training camp trade, uh, which I don't know if the Ravens have made any trades in recent history, but of course, Seattle last year traded for Jamal Adams. Um, so what between the, the, that free agent vet signing versus that preseason training camp trade, uh, which one are you taking? What would you prefer? Ooh, I I feel like if I were to ask you this, you, you and I are going to have different answers because of what's happened recently. Now, watch me put my foot in my mouth. But as you were saying that, I was trying to think of a recent trade 
in training camp with the Ravens, and I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, so I've got to go with the free agent vet signing. This is something the Ravens do all the time. And maybe I think that's more exciting because my team doesn't do trades um, in in training camp. So maybe like I don't know what that's like yet. Um, and I think vet free agents, they at this point, because we've gone through, you know, the whole offseason, all of those like marquee names are usually taken up. Um, vet signings come with usually a reduced price because it's so late in the off season that most of the time you're getting a bit of a bargain. And for a team like the Ravens who spend to the salary cap year after year, it's kind of like their only avenue, um, to kind of bolster their roster. The other thing that makes me want to pick free agent signing over a trade is I actually didn't even realize this until last year when the Ravens traded Hayden Hurst at the draft to uh, to Atlanta for a second round pick. But when you trade a guy, their cap, a portion of their cap actually hits your team. I can't remember for how long, but to me that seems really silly. Like you should be trading everything with that player. Like they're not on your team someone else is taking that money, that contract on. Um, so I feel like when you make a trade, not only are you taking a contract usually back, uh, but whatever you've given away, you're still holding on to some of that. So I'll go free agent vet signing. Yeah, there's the the dead cap aspect, right? right? Um, and and, and uh, believe it or not, I would actually say the free agent vet signing as well. Just because, like, with that, like you said, you're usually getting a guy at this point. You're getting him at a, a bit of a bargain. Yeah. Um, and you also, I mean, you know what you're getting, right? Like, you know what you're getting in a Justin Houston. Um, if Seattle were to sign a guy like Richard Sherman or KJ Wright, like, they know what they're getting. Whereas, like, when you make a trade, you're giving up um, capital Something. to acquire a player. Yeah. Um, I mean, Seattle gave up two first round picks to acquire Jamal Adams. And some would argue that, um, you know, Jamal maybe didn't. And uh, again, no fault to him because there was no real like training camp last year. Um, But maybe he didn't fit the Seattle system um, or or Seattle didn't know how to use him um, at the start of last year. And it took, you know, kind of the full season to kind of really figure out what they were getting in that player. So, right. Um, and I think you said it like maybe to expand on the idea of, you know, what you're getting when you trade for a guy, you, you know what you're getting based on film. Maybe it's playing against a guy. Maybe you scouted him in college. Uh, but with a free agent vet, you can actually bring them in for a workout and you're like, let's mm-hmm. still see if you're in shape. Let's see how, you you know, if it's a DB, how do your hips move? Uh, how do you come in and out of your breaks? Like, what's your football IQ? Like, all of these things, you can actually bring a player into your facility and do, like, mini testing combine stuff to see what you have in that player. As opposed to a trade, you're never going to say, hey, we want to trade for Jamal Adams, but uh, let, let us put him through a workout here. And, you know, if he gets hurt, it's on you guys. But, you know, we'd like to see what we have in him. Like, no, go watch some film, bud. Yeah. Um, Next, I have the 
extreme hype, which happens mm-hmm. every training camp, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a guy that maybe should be hyped. Uh, you know, I mean, Baltimore is going through it right now with Rashad Bateman and Odafe Oway both being extremely hyped up. Um, I mean, both guys are first round draft picks, so they probably should be hyped and, you know, people should be excited. Um, you know, but then you also have those guys that, uh, you know, in, in Seattle, uh, it was uh, Jazz Ferguson, uh, a, a wide receiver that a couple of years ago was was super hyped up to the moon. And, you know, Seattle was super fans are like, oh, my God, like this guy, like, this is that third wide receiver that we've been looking for. Like, uh, you know, finally, we, we have that. So you always get that extreme hype every year in training camp. Um, but along with that extreme hype, you also get holdouts, uh, veteran holdouts, rookie holdouts. Um, and I guess kind of like, I mean, obviously everyone always wants the extreme hype, um, but you also want to see your veterans back in camp. So where do you stand on, uh, I guess, those two? Um, ooh. Yeah, this, this is a tough one for me. I'm going to go with the positive spin on it. I love the hype of everything because we've been so starved from seeing a lot of just actual football action for so long that when a rookie comes in and dusts a a UDFA, you know, corner rookie who's never going to make your team, it is exciting. You know, he's not going up against Marlowe yet, uh, but Anytime you get these guys in and you haven't seen football in a while, winning one rep and seeing a fun, you know, or what we were just talking about at Chargers camp, watching Keenan Allen win one rep where he breaks a guy's ankle is so much fun to watch. You know, last week it was Jadavian Clowney going through the gauntlet drill and tripping on the end or Jameis Winston this week going through the gauntlet drill and just getting manhandled like whether it's exciting in like a, oh my goodness, Rashad Bateman is going to be the best wide receiver in this draft class, or haha, did you look at Jameis just get dummied by the the tackle dummies? It's just so exciting to be talking about football, thinking about possibilities that I'm, I temper my expectations, but I love the hype. I love getting involved in that hype even though part of me is like, we have to wait and see how this translates into game action week one, not preseason, but actual week one. Yeah. Yeah. Not, uh, yeah, definitely not preseason, especially not, uh, preseason game one, maybe pre uh, that that was, I was trying to figure out the other day. Cause like in the past, it was always kind of like the third preseason game was always kind of like the game that you would see the most from the starters. Yeah. So I guess is, is that year like er, this year, is that going to be like the second hmm. preseason because game? Because there's like, so I, few and yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I yeah. don't really watch a whole lot of preseason anyways. Um, it doesn't count for anything. So I, I, I don't care is probably a bad way of phrasing it, but I can watch some highlights and be like, did this guy look good? Did that guy look good? Awesome. Cool. I'm here for that hype. But to watch a whole game, maybe if there's nothing else going on, you know, like you said, you were just hanging out and you decided to watch the Hall of Fame game. 
sweet. I was in Vancouver. There's no way I'm watching a Hall of Fame game when I'm on on holidays or, or you know, you have something else to do. Yeah, I, I didn't watch the whole Hall of Fame game. I had it on while we were eating dinner. I was just like, yeah, this is at least something that like isn't going to distract the kids because it's not cartoon. So at least <laughs> if I put this on, they'll hopefully eat their dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. And that's kind of how I treat the preseason as well. It's just like, I want to see how the starters look. Maybe the second string guys. But like once it starts getting deeper than that, I'm like, yep, yeah, nope, I'm out. I, I'll go, uh, you know, watch the CFL and then turn that off soon too because soon realize that the third stringer nfl guys are still better than the cfl uh <laughs> throw in shade i watched a little bit of cfl this weekend it was bad 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 yep uh, um okay a couple more uh you know kind of preseason uh training camp type scenarios uh so we get that surprise vet cut Hmm. Um, so I guess, you know, recent example would be, uh, Leonard Fournette getting cut by the Jaguars last year, um, versus that preseason darling getting cut. Uh, hmm. you know, everyone, you know, we we're just talking about extreme hype and guys get, you know, fans getting like super excited about, you know, maybe that late round draft pick or that undrafted free agent guy. Jazz Ferguson is another example I'm going to use from the Seahawks because when he got cut, everyone's like, oh, my God, like, how do you cut this guy? And like, turns out the guy fizzled out anyways, right? Like, he's not in the league anymore. They so knew more than you, you did. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, you always see those surprise vet cuts. And then you also get those guys that, you know, people always get super overexcited about. Um, to realize that, like, ah, you know, like maybe we should temper our again temper ex- expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, so which uh, which end Ooh. are you going on there? The, I the, the like vet? both of these. Um, anytime there's a surprise cut and it kind of like your jaw hits the ground. Like in recent memories, it was um, I can't remember the exact year. These were kind of the down days of the Ravens. And Justin Fournette, uh, Justin Forsett was their lead running back. And he didn't make the 53-man roster. And, like, when they released that, my phone was just blowing up with people being like, I can't believe they just let go of, like, their starting running back. You know, he didn't do a whole lot in the league after that. So, again, they probably know more than we do. But for just a slight minute, I even got caught up in the hype of it. I was like, oh, my gosh, did they? Why did they do that? Right. Like, I don't think I'm going to go with the darling person that gets cut because I think there's more shock factor if. Well, yeah, I'm going to say if if you have a rookie, even if he's drafted at all, and he gets cut just based on how many undrafted free agents make teams year after year. If you spent a draft pick on a guy that you didn't sign in that same year, that is shocking to me, like super shocking. And I'm here for it, especially the higher the round, because that builds up more hype for other teams. Other teams look at that. Let's say it's like a, a third round tackle that got cut for whatever reason, like he's just wasn't producing at camp and they're like, we can't justify your spot. You know, other fan bases are looking at that person like 
just salivating, being like, oh, the, the Cowboys or the, the, the Steelers should be jumping all over this tackle. Like, he was a third-round pick. Well, if he's a third-round pick and he's getting cut, he probably was misdrafted a little too high. Like, somebody reached on him. Um, so I'll, I'll go with the, the darling young guy that gets cut, even though yeah. I do like the surprise free. Like, Fournette getting cut was so exciting for the football world. Not exciting for him, Exciting for the football world, though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it, it gets. I mean, the, the the vet getting cut probably gets people talking more than that. You know, preseason darling, yeah. whether they be drafted or or undrafted. I mean, everyone was talking about Leonard Fournette right. getting cut last year. Um, I mean, I was I was on top of it because I drafted James Robinson. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, you were. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was definitely you know one of those surprising things, and then you know to see him, nobody expected him to go to Tampa Bay either. So again, right. that just kind of you know circles back to the surprising free agent vet signing uh, as well. Um, last one here for the matchups from that you know from our training camp off season right before the season, right before week one, uh, you know excitement. Uh, we we have those training camp fights, which we saw one, um, you know, we, we see some in-house fights. We saw that one between, was it Connor Williams of the Cowboys? I can't remember the Cowboys guy's name. I Obviously, I, I remember the, the, the Rams guy's name. and It was Aaron Donald. Which <laughs> anybody who's fighting Aaron Donald, like. Is a little crazy. Be smarter. And he, um, he flipped Aaron Donald on his back. Like, to yeah. his credit, he. He got the judo toss. He can, whatever happens to him in his life, he can be like, I ragdolled Aaron Donald for a split second before he got up and destroyed me. But I, I did it. I'm that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I ragdolled the Hulk. And before the Hulk <laughs> could beat the crap out of me, everybody else jumped in to save my life. For a split second, everybody <laughs> thought I was Thanos. Just for a split yeah. second, they were like, uh oh, like did the Hulk just get beat? Well, no, not quite. No. Um. Uh, so, <laughs> to take that from, I guess you know, maybe call it a negative. To um, one of the most positive things from training camp, and I love seeing these videos. Um, and I, I, I know you do as well. Um, just the fan interaction at training mm. camp. Love seeing the players talk to the fans. Um, in Seattle, they've been signing. Uh. Uh, footballs and, and tossing them into the crowd. Um, one of the the best parts of training camp, like I said, and one of those things that, you know, when, if, and when, uh, you know, hopefully sooner than later, uh, COVID, you know, fully uh, disappears and the players can, you know, be right back up in the crowd signing, uh, you know, a million autographs a day and, and doing all, all, all that. Uh, I've always wanted to go to a training camp, um, just for that fan interaction aspect of it. So we both know what the right answer is, but mm -hmm. I'm going to surprise everyone. I'm taking the camp fights uh, because they get more hype talking about certain things. Um, right. Like I, I don't even care that the Rams and Cowboys are doing joint practices right now. Now I'm kind of interested. Like I'm just a little interested that Aaron Donald might actually murder this guy the next time they line up. Like he's going to drive him so hard into the ground. 
Um, and the other reason behind that is obviously I follow and have a lot of followers who are Ravens fans and they were all posting their, you know, confirmation letters of, Hey, I'm going to this day's training camp. See you guys all there. And I'm sitting here on the other side of the continent, uh, in a different country, knowing that I'm not going to go to the Ravens preseason games, uh, which were free tickets, by the way. So anybody could have uh, gone on there. So uh, this answer is a little bit salty. I'm not going to lie. I I was very happy for people that I follow or people who follow me. I was pumped that they get to go, you know, see the team interact with the players. But I'm a little like, you know, I can be happy for you, but also be annoyed with you. I, I'm that kind of petty where a little bit of me is seeing people post their pictures and I'm like I kind of just hate you a little bit like I don't actually hate you but just for a split second I really wish yeah but we both know the right answer to this I saw a video of Marlon Humphrey running around the stadium signing more footballs pointing at random people in the crowd there's you know thousand people in one section and he's pointing he's like no no you you over there and how are they supposed to know who you're pointing at? And <laughs> it, it's just fun, right? He He's getting people yeah. signed footballs and, you know, like you said, that interaction with players and the crowd has never been so important as it is right now due to the pandemic. Um, so we both know that's the right answer. It, it is. And, it, you know, we, we were talking about, um, you know, toxic fandom um before coming on tonight and and i will say some of that you know training camp stuff does stem from from toxic fandom but i guess from a dad aspect all i can think about is being at those training camp sessions with my kids and russell wilson comes over to say hi to my kids or take a picture or sign an autograph and it's just like you know my, my kids don't really care about football yet. Um, I, I think this might be the year that I can convince Olivia to, to start following it <laughs> a little bit more. Um, she watched a little bit last year, but I think this year with like, honestly, I, I think the podcast actually helps because um, yeah. she knows daddy talks about football once a week. And, um, you know, she's just, she's, she's my little babe and she just wants to, you know, do what daddy does and, and, and connect with daddy. So I, I, I think that this might be the year and, and that's kind of all I, all I can. And, and then Carter's just, I mean, <laughs> Carter's Carter. He's, he's going to be four when football starts. Carter, Carter doesn't care about anything. Uh, <laughs> I, I love my son. Don't, don't get that mistaken. I love my son, but he's just like, yeah, whatever. Like he's, he just doesn't like, but we both he's have still toddler really young, boys right? around the same age and they just, we were talking about how I, I went to the Vancouver Zoo with them, and he was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, can I have a snack now? Like, <laughs> that's, there's that's this like, giant I, animal hungry. that could rip my head off of my shoulders <laughs> with one swipe, but uh, could I have some goldfish, Daddy? Like, that's all I really care about right now. Yeah, yeah. Ta- yeah. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah. That's Carter all the time. Literally, he, he could just finish breakfast, like, 15 minutes later 
I'm hungry. Yeah. I'm like, seriously, like, like we need a God. lot of Cheerios going forward, bud. Yeah, but yeah, so I, I'm I'm really excited for the football season this year because I, I I think Olivia's going to be really really into it. Yeah. Um, she was just getting into hockey at the end of the last year too. So, uh, but anyways, um, just to recap your your I guess preseason training camp choices here, we have the uh, you know free agent vet signing. We have that preseason darling getting cut. Uh, just the extreme hype of it all, uh, whether it be player, training camp, etc., cetera, uh, or those in-house or out-of-house, those, those training camp uh, fights. Uh, what's your MVP, Steve? Uh, oh, man, this this is actually a tough one. They're very, like, they all have a little bit of a lure to them. Um, I'm going to go with, I think I've got to go with just the hype of those, those young guys that, you know, because I'm such a draft fan and the draft is great. I love it. It's probably my favorite time of the year, but then you build up all of that hype of you know, getting those players and then putting free agents around them. And then you get to see what these young kids are going to be for your team, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, you have draft classes where you're like, oh man, I, I wish we could go back and draft this person or wow, I'm so happy we got this guy. Uh, so for me, it's all about the rookie hype. I love the rookie hype. I love seeing how they play out. Uh, and that's not just drafted rookies, that's undrafted rookies as well. There's a lot of quality undrafted guys uh, that I get super excited for. Um, well, I'm not sorry to tell you this. You didn't get the first down. Oh, fourth and 27 again here, fellas. Yeah, the, 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 the correct answer actually would have been uh, fan interactions would have yeah. got you that first down. You, you didn't even give me that option on the recap. Because <laughs> you didn't pick it initially, so but, I mean, I I acknowledged it was the right pick. That's you like blew a, it. That's like maybe that's like a you know defensive pass interference, and I get the first down. Like <laughs> nope, something cheap. I don't I don't know. You um, blew it. You blew it. <laughs> okay, uh, we obviously kind of surprised our uh, listeners because we didn't get a whole lot of people responding to the mailbag. Obviously, they're looking for that on Sundays. We surprised you. But we got two, uh, two questions here. Our first one from Jay Andrews at UPJ33. I'm going to read this out, but I think I know what he meant. I think this was one of those Twitter doesn't have an edit button, and uh, he didn't want to go back and rewrite it. So it says, what is your tastes when it comes to good? high-end comfort food so i'm guessing this is a foodie question and if it's not i'm making it because i am a foodie so what what's like your what's your comfort food chris what's your go-to i i think the the, the question was more so like are you a comfort food person are you a high-end food okay. person well, um let's go i'm so. definitely more like i like food 
<laughs> we were talking about it before I came on here. I was eating a piece of cake before we <laughs> started recording tonight. Um, and this body is made by cake. Um, so I, I definitely like food. I don't think I would classify myself per, as a foodie per se. Um, I'm, I'm probably more on the comfort food spectrum, you know, Give me some, you know, macaroni, give me some pizza, mm-hmm. give me some cheeseburgers, some ribs, some stuff like that. Like, I like a good steak, don't get me wrong, but like, I don't need to, you know, cook it in my, you know, cast iron skillet with butter and garlic and rosemary. And, well, then you're doing and, it wrong. I don't have a cast iron skillet to begin oh, with. Christopher. But like, I, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, put my steak on the barbecue and grill it and and make a nice medium rare steak on the on the barbecue as well right so like uh yeah i'm definitely more on the comfort food spectrum than i am on the high-end food for give, sure give me your one like must have comfort food like must have uh, first thing that comes to mind i mean i guess my my one like if, if I were to pick like one food, like if you were to pick like, what is one food that no, you just your eat top all the comfort time? food? Cheeseburgers. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I have never had a cheeseburger that I didn't like. That's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, I too am a comfort food person. I love like homemade Mac and cheese, like the cheesier, the better love pizza, love pierogies. Um, Chicken Parmesan is like one of my like go to all the time. Um, I joke with my students. We do this like round the round the class game. Like, what do you think you're having for dinner or what do you want for dinner? You got to give me an answer. And every time it's my turn, it's always chicken Parmesan. If I have a choice or what I'm hoping I'm going to eat, it's probably chicken Parmesan. Um, but over the last couple of years, I've been getting into like kind of the high end style of cooking i've been watching a ton of videos this started a few years back just like watching a lot of gordon ramsay videos um i've been really 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 into master chef so master chef canada us australia um i've been watching them all and the things these people do with food is so fascinating to me like so incredibly fascinating so what I've been kind of trying to do over the last kind of year, year and a half is challenge myself a little bit with cooking, whether that's like a technique you were talking about steaks, how you like, you know, you just put it on the barbecue. I I honestly think there's a difference in the flavor of what you're eating when you use those high end kind of techniques. Or, um, I tried making this, meringue mousse kind of tower stack i don't know if you you saw that one um i had to go through how many was it my fifth try with making meringue and there was a lot of not safe for uh podcasting words that came out of my mouth uh a lot of throwing of dishes saying this is stupid and uh, my wife talked me off the ledge and she helped me and we managed to make she'd never made meringue either. Um, and it's just I'm finding a lot of joy in challenging myself, even though I get frustrated with it. So I would do uh, I think I would do high end food still because it's just so now, new right now and it's so fun and it's challenging and it's 
it's rewarding and it's frustrating. Like it's got all of those emotions in it that I just love, but nothing yeah. like you give me a, a, a thing of Mac and cheese. I'm going to dummy it. Like I'm going through the whole thing. Totally. And, and I mean, I, I guess to add to that, like if I'm the one cooking, I'm going more comfort food alley. Mm. If I'm cooking, if I'm going out for food, like, I mean, I go when I go out, I mostly go with my kids. So, again, that, that's comfort food alley. <laughs> uh, but if it was just my wife and I, like we're going to, um, you know, a steakhouse, we're going mm-hmm. to somewhere nice. Like we're, we're going to somewhere that, you know, I guess has maybe that more of that like foodie um, tendencies. You, uh, you know, I, 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 I always say like if we ever get to go to Vegas, I, I, I've never been, but like. Not, neither is Nadine, but like we both always say, like if we ever get a chance to go to Vegas, uh, like we're gonna try to hit up as many of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants as yeah. possible, right? Like I want to go to Hell's Kitchen, I want to go to Steak, I want to go to Burger, I, I, I want to go to his Fish and Chip Shop. Like, yeah, I just, yeah, like I, I love Gordon Ramsay, I, I love Master Chef as well. Um, that's that's one of our, you know, uh, Nadine and, and I's, uh, you know, I guess binge guilty pleasure shows um so yeah yeah and i i think that's the other thing too is whenever we go traveling or on a vacation somewhere i think the food is probably the thing i look forward to the most right like i want to go somewhere and find that hole in the wall diner or you know, find that like once in a a lifetime kind of go to this city and go to that restaurant and it might cost you a bunch of money, uh, but it's the experience. It's like, do you remember when I had that dish? And it kind of just like brings back those nostalgic uh, uh, memories, I guess. So, yeah, I, um, I I have a pretty good chicken parm recipe. I'll have to have you and the fam over uh, next time I, I make it. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll be sure to invite you guys over. Okay. That that's actually a verbal contract. Uh, no going back. It's legal and binding. So, um, I, and I mean it, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> you heard it here first. Um, our, our last question comes from the Brody, Brody sports talk at Brody talk. Um, it's hall of fame weekend. What player, uh, or sorry, what players on the current roster would you put money on to become a Hall of Fame players for your team? Uh, we already know you're picking Bobby Wagner. That's a given. Give us something else. I uh, yeah, I, I would give put me one my other ha- one at least. I would put my house on Bobby Wagner yeah. and Russell uh, and Russell Wilson. Uh, really? Both being. Yeah, absolutely. They're both Hall of Famers. Um, no question asked uh bobby's first ballot for sure um i wouldn't be surprised if by the time his career is over um russ isn't first ballot as well um that wasn't yeah it's, give us a wild I mean, card one now yeah I, I was gonna say like you know I, I was actually thinking about this on my drive home from work today being like you know i i wish he had kind of worded it being like you know maybe gives a guy that like is within the first five years of his career not named dk metcalf yeah that that well yeah that that could be a hall of famer and i mean i I, again it's probably pretty easy to say jamal adams just Hmm. trajectory um i mean he just set the record last year for the most sacks by a 
defensive back defensive weapon (laughs) (laughs) defensive back air quote um with nine and a half sacks um so i guess trajectory wise guys that are still early in their career i would say jamal um that that's that's surprising knowing how tough it is for safeties to to get in yeah but i mean again like we we, i mean sack is sacks are kind of like the almighty currency it's true of of defenders right um you know uh teams coaches management uh hall of fame voters like they they love those sack numbers and i just think that with jamal setting the the Again, single season record for sacks by a DB this past season. Um, you know his game, his his game plan, his style of play is not really going to change much. Um, I just think by you know probably by the time he his career is over, those sack numbers are going to be uh, probably uh, you know if not all time for sure top five for a DB. Yeah, it's it's a good argument. I mean, numbers usually tell the story behind everything. Um, yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting. I know how hard it is for uh, for DBs, uh, especially safeties to get in. But, you know, if he's a safety that has more sacks than any other safety in the history of the league, you know, he's probably going to get in. If I'm picking from the Ravens. uh the tough part about the Ravens is their best players are young guys yep. who have not proven a, a lengthy career body of work to say like, oh, bo-, like we both know Bobby Wagner is a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, whether he quits this year or he plays for another two years. Like he doesn't have to play anymore to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, I would put my money on Marlon Humphrey. The trajectory of him, uh, the way he forces fumbles. Again, we're talking about stats. Um, I could also see a guy like Ronnie Stanley, who his career, uh, he grades out as the top guy or one of the top guys at his position every year. And he's still, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think he's 27. Uh, So he's still got a lot of football. Uh, He's got some of his best years ahead of him. I could also pick maybe a guy like Marcus Peters. If we're just going on stats alone, um, his interceptions over his career is ridiculous. And he's still, you know, relatively young. Uh, The one that I think, and this might come as a shock, that is going to be a lock is Justin Tucker. And it is so hard for kickers to be in the Hall of Fame. But I think what he's doing, again, if he continues on this path, um, no other kicker has been this accurate in the history of the game. So the argument would be, well, if you're a kicker and you are the most accurate kicker to ever play the game and there's other kickers in the Hall of Fame... I should be in there as well. And it's not like he's like, you know, racking up these 25 yard kicks. Like Tucker's notorious for having a huge leg, like over 50 yards. I'm, I bet on Tucker to make that kick every single time. Um, 
so if I were to pick one player that I think is as close to a lock, I think it would be Justin Tucker just because of the body of his work so far. I think the obvious argument would be Lamar. Um, unanimous MVP. He's going to set, you know, the quarterback rushing record by the time he's, you know, in his mid late twenties, not even thirties. Um, he wins the Super Bowl. I think it's even more of a lock kind of thing. So I think trajectory, but yeah, um, you might even see a guy like Calais Campbell. You know, I know he wasn't a career Raven, um, but production matters, like you said, and getting that many sacks from the interior defensive position uh, speaks volumes to uh, what he's doing. So I, I think that could be like a bit of a wild card pick. I I think absolutely Clayus Campbell has a, you know, good shot to get there. But I just, I hear Clayus Campbell and I think Arizona Cardinals. I, I don't think Baltimore. Um, totally. So, it, it, again, I, I don't know how the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame, how they treat it. Like, you know, when a guy goes into the hall, um, do they go in representing one team do they just go in as an individual representing all their teams that they played I for I'm, I'm not quite sure i know in baseball they have to kind of say like no like this they is declare. the team that i yeah. want to go yeah they have to d- declare yeah um i don't think that's how it is in in uh in the pro football hall of fame um justin tucker i i think you know you you definitely make a good point with him um Definitely a good argument to be made. I mean, I don't think a kicker is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. No. Um, he, he's no. he's going to be one of those guys that has to wait probably, you know, a number of years. And, and even then, he might be someone that even gets in as like a, um, um, uh, what do they call it? Like a, not legend, but like, a, you know his kind of regular window is passed. And so like, let's put him in now. I, I, I can't remember like what the thing almost. It's not even, not even honorary. Like he's a legit hall of famer, but like, it's like, a, um, uh, yeah, hmm. I, I'm not going to keep going on about it. Cause I can't, <laughs> can't think of what it's called at this time. But like, like I said, it's, it's not one of those, like it's, it's not called a legend or, or like a, uh, or anything like that. I, I think it was like, like Drew Pearson got in this year, uh, under that category where it's like, you know, like Drew Pearson's time is like, you know, he's been retired for a long time, but like, let's put him in, hmm. you know, kind of now sort of thing. I, I, but yeah, no, I, I think you definitely have a, a you know, a, a good, uh, good point with him. Um, you know, I was surprised it took you so long to mention Lamar, but again, uh, career tra- trajectory, it's got that un- unanimous MVP, um, uh, you know, by the time his career is over, um, you know, if he stays on this tra- trajectory, um, should certainly be another one of those right. first ballot guys, right? Yeah, it's just hard for me to look at a guy who is still on his rookie contract and say, like, you know totally. what, I would put money on the fact that he's a Hall of Famer because you just totally. you can never do that, right? Anything um, can happen, right? Like, I exactly. mean, I, I, I don't want to see this happen obviously and i'm you know here listen to me guys i'm gonna knock on wood um but he could get hurt tomorrow right, right. like you just you, you it's never the know ryan shazier thing 
Yeah, exactly, Ryan. Exactly, right? Like anything can happen. They, these guys play a very physical sport, um, and so you, you don't want to say, you know, he's, you know, put my house on on the line. This guy's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> and like, how many times have we seen it where a guy? dominates in the league or maybe not dominates but is like at the top of his game for a few years and then completely fizzles out uh maybe not to like obscurity but to like you know in quarterback talk to like a backup quarterback or something like that not saying Lamar's going to be that but when we're talking about a guy that's why I said don't pick DK Metcalf like yes if DK had these exact seasons year after year of course, he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. If Lamar keeps this trajectory, of course, he would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. It's just hard for me to say, even like Marlon, like he's technically still. I, I think this is going to be the first year the extension kicks in, maybe. But he's still so young that it's like you don't have that body of work to to say still- like Bobby Wagner. I'm 1000. I would bet my house that Bobby Wagner is a first ballot hall of famer, right? Yeah. Still, still too small a sample size. Exactly. Even though they've been in the league for, you know, uh, two, three, four, five years. Um, I mean, unfortunately that is still not a big enough body of work to say like, yeah, this guy's a hall of famer compared to somebody like Bobby Wagner, Russell Wilson, who have been in the league. Uh, I I believe this is their, uh, both, uh, of theirs, uh, 10th season. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. We are just over an hour and a half. Uh, that's all we have on the episode for you today. Thanks to the two of you that sent in the mailbag questions. I know we kind of hit you up on a weird day. Obviously, uh, Chris ruined our, our usual Sunday podcasting, but we're coming to you live on a Saturday And as always, I give Chris the last words. We will be back uh, next Sunday, which I believe something rather important is happening next Sunday. Um, It it may or may not be one of the hosts birthdays next Sunday. Um, But, uh, you know, that that that's for us to discuss next week. If you if you Uh, clip that uh onto youtube you will generally see my look of like what is chris talking about right now uh <laughs> apparently yes it is my birthday next sunday but it's steve, not that important steve steve's not a big birthday guy no um <laughs> the other big thing that's happening next sunday is i'm gonna say it now before i forget but i'll say it next week as well hopefully if i don't forget uh it's my parents 40th wedding Ooh. anniversary next sunday Kind of, kind of a big deal, and their That's son dropped the ball on planning a party. Um, so I'm sorry, mom and dad, um, but <laughs> In I'm advance. only one. I'm only one guy. That's right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I want to give before we part ways here tonight a uh, quick shout out to Steve Hutchinson. Uh, for getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, He was enshrined finally tonight. He was actually inducted last year, but of course had to wait the year to get his proper enshrinement, get his gold jacket, get the bust and all those good things. Um, A lot of Seattle fans are 
not quite sure how to celebrate Hutchinson getting into the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, some fans are still bitter about the whole poison pill contract. Uh, Michael Sean uh, Duggar, uh, I, I may have pronounced his last name incorrectly there, uh, wrote a really cool article about it on The Athletic about that and just kind of, you know, what Hutch's perspective and what his agent's perspective was and, and kind of why they signed that uh, poison pill contract with the Minnesota Vikings back back in 2006. Um, really cool perspective. I highly recommend everyone goes and reads that article. Um, other than that, guys, uh, go give me a follow over on Twitter at PhillipsChris12. Don't forget my guy Steve at SSFisher87. And, guys, like I said, it, it's his birthday next, uh, next Sunday. Uh, that's August 15th. So be sure to, you know, Hit him up, blow his phone up, phone up. Make sure you're wishing him a happy birthday, uh, and uh, please follow the podcast account as well at Ballhawks underscore Pod. Subscribe to us over on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating, review, five stars, hopefully. Uh, and oh, as always, guys, uh, go Hawks. Peace. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. To the Blue Hotel I wanna live At the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere The imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker it's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.